Welcome to Unlapped. We got cars on track in Bahrain. Reaction from winter testing and more in this episode of Unlapped. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It means a great deal to me. It means a great deal to Lawrence Edmondson. It means a great deal to Nate Saunders, who both are on the ground right now in Bahrain. They arrived last night, which would have been Tuesday night. They witnessed the first day of testing. Nate, Lawrence, great to be with you. How's it feel to be back in Bahrain, Nate? Yeah, it's kind of a surreal one, Katie, because, you know, the season last year was so long and we ended up in the situation where the off season has been pretty great in terms of news, in terms of drama, etc. Um, and so we've got here and it hasn't felt like there's been a massive winter. We did get a little bit of one, but we've kind of come into the situation now where we're back in Bahrain. And as we'll discuss, the order looked very, very similar to anybody who followed last year. So it's kind of felt like an extension from last season. That was my feeling anyway. Uh, I'm not sure I was sat opposite Lawrence uh, all day. He may well have felt a little bit differently. No, I mean, seeing a Red Bull so far ahead certainly feels like an extension of last season, doesn't it? Um, and I think we're kind of trying to kid ourselves a little bit going into this that Perhaps Red Bull have made a misstep. Perhaps they got something wrong. Um, perhaps, you know, the, one of the other teams had a huge advantage that they could unlock over the winter. Um, and so far from what we've seen, that's not the case. But we should also say, as we always say at this time of year, it's the first day of testing. You can't read too much into the times immediately. Um, we often get some very strange results. The second day of testing last year, Sauber was on top. Obviously, they didn't go on to do particularly well throughout the course of the year. So things... Uh, are not always as clear at this stage. But it certainly feels like, yeah, it's been a packed winter full of news. So, you know, I feel like this this season's got plenty to give. Well, it felt like um, Max Verstappen just continues to improve upon what has already been, I feel like, a legendary career, right? And I know that it's just testing, but if what we saw today from the first day is indicative of what we're going to see for the season. He might as well win his fourth consecutive world championship. <laughs> he was eight tenths clear of P2. Lando Norris was just behind him, followed by Carlos Sainz. Daniel Ricciardo up near the top of the pack, which I found interesting. What did you make, Lawrence, of the RB20 in person and some of the new design elements that we've seen from the car? Well, unfortunately, I have to correct you from the off. It was 1.1 seconds, eight tenths. Oh. Maybe we could kid ourselves, but no, it was actually 1.1 at the end. He You're went faster. Him. Um, yeah, yeah, he went faster, like the final hour of the test, which is the best track conditions. So it's the time when you're most likely to set a fast time. A lot of the other times he was going up against were set earlier in the session. Um, just to give people a bit of an understanding of what happens at testing, teams have different plans to get through in different periods of time so if you're trying to understand the aero characteristics of your car and trying to understand whether what you worked on in the wind tunnel all through the winter and on cfd works in real life uh then you're going to do a huge amount of measurements on the car and that takes a lot of time and so when the track conditions are at your best you might be working on that meanwhile max verstappen is out there setting purple sector times and getting the fastest time of the day so it's not a guarantee that because he was 1.1 seconds faster that he's that he's miles ahead but um but it is a little bit ominous at, at this stage especially as he completed 143 laps as well seemingly problem free and in a car that looks yeah as you mentioned it looks dramatically different to last year's rb19 and we felt with the rb19 which won all but one race last year that perhaps red bull were hitting the ceiling of these regulations of these kind of the possibility of what you can do under the technical regulations with 
the hand of physics on top of you weighing you down. But it seems like they've just found a way around all that and they've opened up all these other avenues of development, uh, some of which, interestingly, look fairly similar to stuff that Mercedes had tried previously, but failed with and left and kind of moved on from over the winter. And Rebel appears to have taken some of those ideas, run with them. And so far, again, with the caveat of first day, lot to see from the other teams still, so far appear to have found uh, a lot of form. I think the scariest bit for anyone who's hoping for a competitive championship or isn't a Red Bull um, fan is that when Max set his first very quick lap of the day, uh, his race engineer GP kind of just turned to the camera. Mm. I don't think intentionally <laughs> to the camera, but happened to turn to the camera and had this huge beaming smile on his face, which I think said everything about that lap. And then, yeah, as we just mentioned, by the end of the day, he'd gone 0.3 seconds faster than that. So, um, yeah, what does it all mean? We don't know quite yet, but it's certainly, as far as starts to testing go, you know, Red Bull absolutely nailed it. Could you imagine the salt in the wound that you would feel if you're Mercedes, if you try the zero side pod for two years and then you end up bagging that concept because you can't find performance in it, and then Red Bull rolls it out here in 2024 and they possibly find that performance and nail it, Nate? Yeah, I was thinking that today. And it does, it shows you, doesn't it, that the whole way through that, and they're not completely identical, obviously, but the concepts mm -hmm. you can see have borrowed from each other. And the whole time, especially in 2022, when Mercedes was struggling with that car, if this solution of Red Bulls is a huge step forward, it would kind of explain the the confidence that Mercedes had in that. Because they mm -hmm. must have thought, well, we know that we know this can win. And that was always what we got. You know, it's since been written off as kind of a crazy idea. I feel like if Red Bull dominate this season, it almost vindicates Mike Elliott, who was, you know, has always been talked about as the guy who spearheaded that. It wasn't just his idea, but he was the guy who left the team, you know, kind of in the wake of that of that um, concept being scrapped last year for a more Red Bull style, or at least what was then a more Red Bull style philosophy. Um, so I did think that I did think that today. And it's funny how, um, yeah, it's funny when you look back at the way that that concept was talked about at the time, especially when Mercedes moved away from it, it was kind of just seen as a big failure. And yeah, obviously there's a few different things. I mean, I was talking to some of the more, more tech heavy guys today. They said there's obviously there's obvious differences with it. But yeah, the fact they've moved that concept that way, you know, wherever Mike Elliott is in the world right now, he's probably looking at that and thinking, man, like maybe there was, maybe we should have just hung on to it for a little bit. But um, yeah, it'd be a great storyline as well, because, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're Lewis, especially, I mean, he knows he's leaving already, but if that is the storyline, he'd be like, well, damn, we should have just stuck with, yeah, we still stuck with the plan, but it kind of, Lawrence might correct me on this, but as I remember, it was kind of Lewis and George's feedback yeah. that made them move away from that concept in the first place. Not completely, but it was you know, th those guys saying, we don't think this is the right way forward. You know, it seemed to, at the time, have a big bearing on that decision. Yeah, well, I mean, what we're going to say, like the whole zero side pod thing, uh, the Red Bull hasn't gone that route uh, really at all. It's more like just the way it's they the appear. It's the shoulders, so it's it? yeah. Yeah, well, that and also the the inlets and basically it seems to be the way they've they structured the cooling underneath the bodywork, um, which when Mercedes did it, it was quite radical and it was to get that slimline approach. The way Red Bull have done it, um, it's it's not to get the super slim approach. It, it's kind of they still have fairly big side pods, but they have big undercut uh, underneath. And also, it just seems that they found uh, a new solution with their cooling, whereby it's more efficient, uh, it's more effective, and therefore they can just have. Uh, much smaller kind of slots uh, feeding that. And then they found a way of exiting it out the back uh, quite high up in the engine cover, which is something that Mercedes had trialed uh, throughout last year. So, yeah, I, I think like to say they haven't gone like, they haven't basically looked at Mercedes and said, oh yeah, we can do that better. Let's do that. that that's not 
that's not really fair or really what's happened. But it's just interesting that a few of the ideas where we felt that every you know everyone had gone the Red Bull way with with the side pods and the inlets and stuff like that, and then they've almost moved it on again. And it just so happens, you know, some of the ideas, perhaps some of the structure of the way you kind of put your radiators underneath the bodywork is similar to some of the stuff Mercedes was trying. And if you look at, yeah, the, the, you know, the stuff that the Mercedes drivers didn't like, well, that was a lot down to their rear suspension setup. Um, uh, and it was a lot down to the cockpit positioning. And Mercedes has followed Red Bull in those uh, in those traits. Uh, so they've now got push rod rear suspension, for example. The cockpit is further back in the car. Uh, they've worked really hard on making sure the rear end of the car is stable. And those are all things that Red Bull still has and had before. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like one's gone one way, one's gone the other. It's more just that it's interesting that there's a few little things where you can draw parallels across. But it basically just seems like as Red Bull was looking to improve its own concept, it went with a few ideas which, you know, perhaps were quite radical uh, when Mercedes tried them, but they're using them in a different way. Um, but yeah, it's essentially a cooling thing that, that's changed. It's just interesting because coming into the season, you would think the likes of Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, Aston Martin, you could throw in there, want to close that gap and probably felt comfort- confident in their ability to maybe close and gain on Red Bull in the offseason. And then Red Bull moves the goalposts. It feels like that's kind of what we saw from today based on, you know, their dramatic, I don't know, would you call it dramatic, Lawrence, improvements from the RB19? Yeah, I think I think it is dramatic insofar as it looks so different. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're used to um, Red Bull's evolution since the start of, of, of this season being very kind of step-by-step, a noticeable, traceable kind of way in which they were shaping the car, making it lighter, making it slimmer was was initially the progress they made. And now it looks like they've kind of found a whole different avenue of, of development they can start to mine for, for more performance. And um, that's... That's very impressive, and I think you know that's where the other teams will be will be slightly concerned. Um, so yeah, but again, look, like I said, you know, we never expected Red Bull to turn up this year realistically and get it wrong. You know, it just was yeah. so unlikely. But um, but in what they've done, it seems like they've perhaps made a bigger step than the other teams felt they were going to do. The other teams felt that they were going to start to hit up against you know a glass ceiling in in, in what you can do on these regulations, and yet they've broken through that, and mm-hmm. you know. It's now now it looks like the sky's the limit. So um yeah, we'll just have to see uh exactly how much truth there is to that. And you know, I, I really don't think we've seen anything like the full performance from any of the cars. In fact, we know that for certain because you know, one, then no one shows that on the first day. But secondly, Max's time, as impressive as it was, it was still about 1.6 seconds off the pole position time here. It was still um a few temps off the uh the fastest time in testing last year. So you know, there's there's clear room for improvement for all of them if they were to uh, whip the fuel out the car, which they carry at this stage of testing and, uh, you know, really ramp everything up. So um, I, I think what was impressive by Red Bull was just quite how quickly they seem to be able to access that performance. And mm-hmm. from sitting through many preseason tests ahead of ahead of seasons and trying to figure out what teams are doing, the one thing that's always impressive is, is when they can get it, the car on the ground quickly make improvements, quickly find a setup that works and then just start kind of, you know, almost seemingly like churning out fast lap times for fun. Whereas other teams seem to be going back to the garage a lot more, making a lot more setup changes, you know, maybe finding a bit of time, but not huge chunks. Whereas Red Bull seems to hit the ground today and very quickly just knock, you know, seconds and then temps mm-hmm. off their off their lap times. And um, I think it was that that was so impressive, not necessarily the final lap time. 
as impressive as the first day as it was, uh, I'm curious because it feels like maybe there's a, a dark cloud currently looming over Red Bull, given the um, ongoing investigation into Christian Horner and inappropriate behavior that could possibly threaten his position with the team. I know that he's in Bahrain, currently still in his position. You know, we have not been able to meet and have a recording since the news broke that he was under investigation uh, because in part we were waiting for a conclusion uh, because we know he had a meeting on a Friday in London. Maybe that was a week ago, two weeks ago. I, I can't keep track, but we were hoping to have a conclusion to be able to break down for you, but that decision is still pending at this moment. I'm just curious, as, as good of a day as it was, Nate, for Red Bull, what's the feeling and vibe and sense you get around the team in general with Christian there and this decision coming yeah i think dark cloud is a really good way to put it it feels like not it's kind of like the elephant in the room a little bit you know everybody knows that the horner thing is is lingering here you know and christian is here in the paddock you know he hasn't been suspended by red bull he mm -hmm. was also present when red bull launched their car which was last week you know um, lawrence and i both went to that and it was kind of strange you know because obviously this is hanging over over him and over the team and he was kind of front and center in all of the media, both in terms of the presentation of the car, the presentation of the team's history. And then, you know, he did front up to all the media that was there and kind of talked within the restrictions in terms of what he can talk about. Obviously, this is an ongoing investigation. And it kind of feels a bit similar now, you know. So as people listen to this, this is Wednesday, Thursday mm -hmm. in Bahrain. He's actually in a press conference with other team bosses. And I imagine he's going to get a lot of questions, you know, some many of which I'm sure he won't be able to give a good answer to just because of the nature of you know, the fact that he's not really going to be able to talk about an ongoing investigation like this. But that has been lingering here. And I actually spoke to some of the guys from Red Bull who were on the same flight as me and Lawrence coming in. Um, and it was telling, you know, there was a lot of um, reporters from British newspapers on the flight or flying out who wouldn't normally come out for testing. They'd probably wait until mm. the first race weekend. And the reason for that isn't because they they really want to see the you know the padded shoulders of the Red Bull. It's not because they want to you know they want to see if if you know what people are going to call Visa Cash App RB. It's not because of you know they want to see what might be Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg's final testing session in F1 ever or final preseason whatever. It's because they want to know what the Christian Corner situation is and you know people are waiting for this verdict now. What we've both heard over this you know this not just this week but last week as well is that it's unlikely we'll get a verdict this week. Uh, Red Bull wants there to be won by the Bahrain Grand Prix, which is a week after we're recording now. It's on March the 2nd. Um, but again, it's an independent uh, hearing that's been going on here. So Red Bull can't exactly rush this process. And this has become something that we've been talking about recently. You know, F1 released a statement at the weekend saying we want a swift resolution to this. Red Bull's view on it is, well, the guys, you know, are trying to make sure that it's a very, very thorough and rigorous investigation. Um but like with all these things, and, you know, this is one of the reasons that we haven't been able to talk about it. And I think, you know, there's obviously certain things we can't talk about with it. There's been some pretty wild speculation, you know, around this whole thing. And mm -hmm. the longer it goes on, the longer that goes on as well. And and it's it's a really difficult situation for, for, for all sorts of people because it's a story that, you know, if 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 Warner is found to have to have acted in the way that he's been alleged to have acted, then obviously it's it's a big story. You know, he's he's been at Red Bull since the very beginning. He's led the team through two periods of dominance, one of which is right now. Um, but also, this is a very, very difficult time for Formula One in terms of one of the big things they're trying to push is diversity and getting more women into Formula One. And you know, this has been one of the things that people have talked about. So I don't know. It's 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 just been it's been difficult from our point of view because there's just so much you can't talk about, and that is just because of the nature mm -hmm. of of reporting and the nature of the media. Um, 
but you do feel like it's hanging over the team here. Um, but at the same time, you do get the sense with Red Bull and you kind of got this at the launch a little bit. I think they were actually quite excited. Excited is probably the wrong word, but they were looking forward to actually getting testing, you know, getting a car on track, getting up to that point where it's like, all right, well, you know, we know what this is now. You know, this mm-hmm. is this is what we do. This is this is what the whole team exists for. And actually the Horner news, because of when it broke, it kind of has existed in this weird little vacuum for a few weeks where there's not really been anything else major to talk about. There's been a few car launches. We'd had the Lewis to Ferrari news. We'd had the Andretti news. We'd had Steiner leaving. So he kind of almost occupied two, three weeks all to himself. So I think now there's pictures of the Red Bull on track. There's stories about Max being on top. And, you know, we led the show with talking about how good their their car looks, etc. So I think not, not to say they're trying to bury the story, story at all because that's not what i'm suggesting but i think that you do get a sense that the team thought well at least this is this is what we do this is what we know mm-hmm. and it's kind of Back a nice distraction yeah it's a nice exactly it's a nice distraction from all of that um because obviously it's a team that you know is will have been deeply affected by this behind the scenes um yeah. in a lot of ways so i think yeah it it is really hanging over the team and obviously there'll be bigger questions if if one does leave he's insisted i mean he's you know it goes without saying but he's strenuously denied everything he's accused of he has said he thinks he'll keep his job into the first race and beyond that. He said that to me at the launch. Um, and yeah, we just have to wait and see it play out. But I think until there's a resolution on it, it, it is just a, a giant dark cloud hanging over everything because we don't know AF Horner's staying in the job, but you know, there's a there's a much more serious story underneath that if if he has left. Sure. Um and that's just a yeah, it's just a difficult one all round. Um to to just monitor and to report and to report fairly as well, because obviously in the media, you have a responsibility to do that as well. Yeah. Because families are certainly impacted by this as yep. well. And as you know, we will update you as soon as we hear information, news breaks of a decision that is made in terms of Christian Horner's future with or not with Red Bull moving forward. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Um, I could imagine as a parent company, you would want this um, decision made as quickly as possible so that the focus can then return to racing, winning championships, winning Grand Prix, which Red Bull has gotten extremely good at over the years. Lawrence, I'm curious as we go back to the track, based on what you saw from McLaren and Ferrari, I know it's a small, small, small sample size, but who do you think looks closer to Red Bull after uh, however many minutes you saw on track today? Um, I, th- I mean, it's, it is incredibly hard to tell. Like I say, incredibly small sample size of, of, of what we've seen so far. 
I think sometimes um, you look at the teams and a little bit kind of the confidence around them as well at this stage, rather than just the lap times. The lap times don't tell you that much. And, um, you know, I think Ferrari are looking in a in pretty good shape. Um, and McLaren, there are a few times on track uh, where we saw Lando lock up, um, you know, especially into turn 10, which is quite a difficult uh, part of the track where the car's unbalanced. There's a lot of... Um, load off the of the front left so it's quite easy to lock it going into that corner um so it's a difficult corner so so no disaster but also we knew that that was a weakness of the mclaren before the the slow speed stuff um and uh, i feel like you know this is a track that has some high speed sections but perhaps not as many as, as some of the places we go later in the season so even if the mclaren you know from very very early analysis uh could well be proven wrong tomorrow morning uh, having said all this but um you know from very early analysis if the looks a little bit slower like wait till we get to some different tracks as well you know further down the line um and and, and see where they are but uh i feel like ferrari there was you know an element in confidence about the, the way they went about their work and um yeah I, i'd say the fact that norris was like a tenth of a second ahead of science at the end of today means absolutely nothing because three tenths of a second um can be gained or lost around this track by adding or taking away 10 kilos of fuel and we know most of these cars are probably going around with somewhere between 30 at the minimum up to like 60 kilos of fuel uh on average, you know, sometimes they'll be heavier if they're doing race simulation work. Uh, very occasionally, they might go a bit lighter than that. But of course, when they get to qualifying in Bahrain, they'll go much lighter than that. They'll go down, you know, to as much fuel as they need, basically, to do an outlap, a flying lap, and come back. So, um, yeah, I there's I really cannot answer that question right now, to be completely <laughs> honest. But my general vibe was that Ferrari seemed uh, pretty confident with the way things were going today as well. This time last year, I think Mercedes knew that it was going to be a long season, Nate. And today, given George Russell's day, Toto Wolf seemed a bit more optimistic about this car and the performance as compared to a year ago. What did you make of George Russell on track today? Yeah, I've got to confess, because of the nature of the first day, I didn't get to see a huge amount. Of, I didn't see any lockups from George Russell. I'm sure he had a few. Um but from what I've what I've seen of, and this is one of the funny what things. What if he about didn't? Testing. He's going to take that he personally. May, yeah, he no, may have he, had a perfect he did. day. He did. He did. Yeah, that's what, and that's what I was about to say. I've seen yeah. I've seen on Twitter that he did have several, but I didn't actually see them myself. Um, and that's one of the funny quirks of testing is that um, sometimes you're just out and about in the paddock talking to people, chasing stories, mm -hmm. and weirdly you feel because for races you kind of make sure you get back for qualifying you make sure you get back for the race but because testing's just ongoing you kind of miss big chunks of it but um but no but Lawrence is completely right about the vibe you can get from a team um and I think that it's it is too early to say with Mercedes I think what Mercedes have learned and I feel like a few teams learned this we Lawrence and I spoke to some people we know down at Alpine they've done the same thing I think teams now especially given where Red Bull have been and just how silly you can look by even kind of suggesting you might be in a mix competitively. I think teams are just going into seasons with very, very low expectations. You know, it's almost uh, under promise and hope that you over deliver. And I just get mm -hmm. that vibe from Mercedes. You know, I think that last year was a difficult one for them, you know, without the victory. And so it's 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 difficult to tell, you know, and Mercedes, it's, it's still weird to me because we're so, or at least we're not used to anymore, but for the first seven years of my career, I was used to going to these tests and talking to anyone at Mercedes and you could tell they were trying to be humble about the fact that they knew they were quick, at least for a lot of that. They're like, well, maybe we're not too great. And you'd see the corners of their mouths just like sneaking up into a little smile because they knew they had a really good package. And now Mercedes, they're just a bit less like that. And I think that that's what mm -hmm. is difficult for them is that as much as we think, 
you know, it looks like Red Bull are going to have an advantage of some kind again. It's really difficult to to see that gap after one day. Sorry, that that group behind after one day and work out what the gaps are going to be. So I don't know. I think I always hate that people try and make leaps to conclusions, or even though we've done a big one with Max Verstappen, but that mm-hmm. looks so so ominous. Whereas with 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 Russell, you know, it, it's just difficult to difficult to say. I'm sure they w- would have wanted a better start, but. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it'll be interesting to see Lewis in the car tomorrow. I think he gets a yeah. full day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, although we did talk about that earlier, and I've probably got that completely wrong. Lawrence and I, he might be splitting duties with. No, Russell. you're right. Um, he goes full yeah. day on Thursday, and they yeah, split on Friday. Think, and I think once you've once you've seen both drivers in the car, once you've once they've had you know a full day, and you can start to compare 3 p.m. on Wednesday and then 3 p.m. on Thursday, you start to get a better sample size, but. I didn't get a vibe from Mercedes that there was alarm bells ringing. Sometimes you get that from teams. There wasn't that mm-hmm. there. So I think um, that will be one to keep an eye on because it is still a question mark, you know. Well, the, the Mercedes, actually, they did, a, uh, they did a race sim this afternoon. So all that mm-hmm. time when potentially you've got some faster lap times flying in, uh, they were working on a race sim. Now, like, yeah, okay, they still didn't set particularly fast times today. But on the plus side, um, you know, to go in the first day of testing and do a race simulation where you're basically running through everything that could possibly happen in a race, that means you must be fairly happy with the baseline setup because once you're into, you know, kind of mimicking a race, you're not coming in to change setup things and all of that. And you wouldn't start a race sim unless you were pretty happy with where you were fundamentally with the baseline setup. So to me, that suggests they actually made a pretty decent start to the day it tells us nothing about the underlying pace so it could still be that the car is slow but in terms of just putting the car on track and getting it working it seemed a lot better and the initial feedback from both drivers does seem to be because i mean lewis did do a bit of uh filming day as well does seem to be that this car isn't quite as vicious spiteful was the word that toto wolf <laughs> kept going back to uh, in the press conference it doesn't seem quite as spiteful as last year's so you know i mean That's as far promising. as again first day things exactly like i mean that's got to be good right you know it's not a spite so there's a start but is it quick who knows she's more tame more tame than a year ago i think it's going to be a really interesting season obviously we've already talked about lewis hamilton driving for mercedes this final year before making the move to ferrari next season for 2025 i find it interesting you've got carlos Sainz, who has been ousted at ferrari because of that move so he's going to be looking this season to impress other teams as his contract, um, you know, looking for a new contract. And then you've got George Russell, who I think is going to assume that number one driver position at Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton leaving. Laz, who do you think has to have the bigger season between those two drivers, George Russell or Carlos Sainz? I think Sainz has to have a pretty big season to um, prove to everyone else, you know, that that he deserves a top seat in Formula One. You know, if you don't have a contract for the following year, that's when you really need to be on the top of your game. Uh, I've no doubt that he'll do that. And I feel like, um, look, as much as Ferrari undoubtedly probably will favour Leclerc this year, if they're in a position where they have to make a choice, um, I think, you know, Carlos is close enough to Charles that he'll keep him honest. And even if we do see a bit of that, we're not going to, you know, people who are making these decisions about whether drivers move teams and, you know, other team bosses, they're not going to hold it against him because they know that he is capable of keeping Charles Leclerc honest. And they know that Leclerc is one of the uh, the best drivers going. So I think George Russell is actually in a, a really good position because, look, even if Lewis beats him comprehensively this year, Mercedes don't have many options going into 2025. And, you know, I think they're going to want to do everything they can to make sure that George is feeling um, as comfortable in the team as possible. You know, they 
famously say they don't have number one drivers and number two drivers. And I feel like in most cases that will absolutely be the case. But there's always, you know, there's always a part that's slightly better than another. And there's always, you know, a decision or a strategy at the start, which, you know, might make a little bit more sense than the others. And it will be interesting to see whether a few more of those calls tend to go George's way, because my gut feeling in the past was that in, well, sorry, my gut feeling was that in the past, they went Lewis's way. Um, but yeah, it will all be interesting to see. And um, I think as soon as uh, Carlos has his future sorted for next year, uh, that will take a huge amount of the pressure off. But up until that point, he's, yeah, he's the one that's got to perform. Some other notable storylines out of the first day of preseason testing. Aston Martin showed some pace. V-Carb showed some pace. Nate, Daniel Ricciardo, I think, was sitting P4 after his times came in. What did you make of V-Carb? And um, are they going to get the same kind of upgrades that uh, their sister team, their one team? I don't even know. Is it fair to have two teams? We've talked about that. But are they going to get the same kind of upgrades that Team Red Bull gets? Well... And is it fair to name your second team the ad- initial of your first team? I don't think it is because it's very confusing. Um, and we spent a fair bit of today uh, talking about that. I mean, we're calling them RB on the website. Um, a lot of people calling them VCARB. Nobody's calling them Visa Cash App, <laughs> which is kind of you know what I think the expectation was for you know kind of within within parts of the team. I think it's it's interesting because I think that the and we kind of talked about it before, didn't we? The 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 dream behind that um deal is that they can turn um rb or v carb v crab i called them earlier just because i you know if you if you spell it quickly you can yeah you can spell v crab um and they want that to make that a competitive team and again competitive is subjective in this case that could be you're kind of in the alpine position of being like you know propping up that group ahead do they want to be in that group ahead unlikely to ever see them further ahead um i think this is a it's a solid start i don't think we can expect to see them you know that high up early in the season it just it just doesn't seem that feasible they'd make that jump given where they finished last year but i do think we're going to see quite an aggressive development for them over the year and i think all that's going to do is ramp up we've heard it from zach brown at mclaren Uh, basically every time he's been given a microphone recently he's talked about that partnership and even though red bull say well it's only marketing teams that are moving to milton Keynes, which is where red bull's base is you know, it doesn't seem like that's fully the case. You know, there are there are bits of the operation that are moving, and you know, as soon as you bring, as soon as a partnership gets closer, you expect to see the collaboration improve across the board. So, yeah, it's. I think I think they're a team to watch in terms of how steep that development curve is going to be across the season. Um, and just on a on a more general note, I saw both Yuki and Daniel, you know, down in the mix zone uh, in the me- in the media pen, and they both look pretty happy. You know, and again, it's hard to say they only had half a day each in the car, but you can again. You can tell when a driver's had a really bad day and is thinking it's going to be a long year. I think they both know it's not going to be a year where they're challenging for wins, but I think that for them, success is going to be judged very, very differently. Um, and I think they've got a good thing to work with there. You know, last year the car was a bit more tricky to drive, for example, and both of them said it had a really solid day. So um, yeah, if they can if they can finish the test strongly, then I think that's a really and again going back to what we said with Red Bull and as a company, just having mm-hmm. that distraction from everything going on. I think that'd be a really, you know, that'd be a, like another tick to that box of well, what a what a perfect way to start the season with both kind of both teams that we own doing pretty well, relatively speaking, to where we expected them to be. Laz, any other takeaways from today's at the track that we didn't hit on? Uh, Has looked like they're in a bit of trouble, uh, quite a long way off the back. I mean, again, you know, you can frame lap times however you want, but we weren't expecting Has to be particularly quick, and then they weren't. Um, 
you know, and it's always an interesting thing with that team because they've got very similar underlying, you know, got suspension from Ferrari, a lot of parts from Ferrari, but it just shows you how much aero is is king in in F1. And uh, the last major aero upgrade they brought in 2023 seemed to set them off in the wrong direction. You know, they, they really needed that one to stick and to be a big step forward, and it wasn't. And it feels like they're still unraveling from the decisions made then uh, into this season. Meanwhile, they're in such a competitive midfield that everybody else is moving forward. I mean, we're just talking about RB, um, piece of cash out, RB, VCAR, VCRAB. Um, and where they were at the start of last year, they were right at the back. So, like, you know, they were Hass mm-hmm. and them were like trading over who's going to finish last at every race. Mm-hmm. And look where they are now. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, suggestions that the uh that the rb has you know oh it's got rb19 suspension well yeah it has but that's all last year's suspension and it's all allowed under the regulations as well so um you know there's also suggestions that it goes a bit further than that but there's no proof of it so um yeah i i feel like has you know it's no surprise that they look like they're struggling a bit but it's it's a bit worrying to to figure out how they're going to um claw that back because obviously they've had big change over the winter as well gunter has gone mm-hmm. and so um yeah that, that could be a bit of a bit of an issue there or certainly one to to follow and i feel like actually in testing you start to you know you start to figure out the back of the grid first you know that you can see the teams that are struggling a bit more first and then it's harder to pick out the midfield and then if you've got a team like red bull to spin at the front that's pretty easy to figure out as well um only other team i'll touch on just because they had a bit of a rotter of a day but i'm sure they'll recover from it is williams uh yeah. they only completed 62 laps due to a suspected drive shaft issue after logan had a bit of a spin i don't know whether the drive shaft issue caused the spin or vice versa but um yeah obviously that's not an ideal start but james val's message the team principal there his messaging has been very clear that he wants the team to take risks and break stuff well they did that in their first day uh they <laughs> broke a drive shaft um but no be, care- it's be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. But I, but also, like, you know, I, I think the whole ethos of that team is actually in quite a smart place in that they know they're restructuring, they know they're rebuilding. And a lot of the emphasis on this car, a little bit like we're talking with the Mercedes, actually, is, is, is rather than this car that only works at certain types of tracks and is a bit of a handful everywhere else. And the Williams was a much more exaggerated version of that than the Mercedes. And they're just trying to get a more rounded car, basically understand, you know, a lot more what they can do with the suspension and, and, and the whole package as a whole. And then they're hoping that the lessons that they learn from doing that, even if they do break a drive shaft or two along the way, um, will put them in a position where in 2026, when the regulations change, they've got a stronger footing. So can't really argue with that. Uh, You know, that kind of long-term thinking, I think, uh, sometimes there's not enough of it. It teams in Formula One towards the back. So um, yeah, uh, that, that's the other team that had a bit of a bit of a shocker. But again, by the time people listen to this, Williams may have knocked up 150 <laughs> laps on Thursday and sitting pretty in the timesheets. So you never know. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Did you get a sense that Gunther Steiner was missing? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was down at house for a little bit. And um, honestly, it wasn't, you know, you went down there and it wasn't like a team kind of in chaos or, you know, it wasn't there like, you know, nothing's working properly. Um, and actually, you know, talking to a couple of people, they said that Ayo Komatsu's come in and has actually done, you know, has been pretty solid in what he's done. You know, I think he's he's not trying to change a huge amount straight out of the out of the gates, which I think when you're replacing someone who has that that kind of aura of Gunther Steiner within the team, it's probably a smart thing to do. You can go in and kind of smash everything up a bit too quickly. And then if it goes wrong, everyone can just point to that. In terms of the paddock itself, I did think about it. You know, you're looking at through the through the list of people that are talking through the week. And yeah, it's just a big loss not seeing Steiner's name there anywhere, you know, because he is such a vibrant personality. And it's gonna it's gonna take a while because also, and this sounds really, really harsh to Hass, but we've run out of a lot there's not been huge amounts of reasons to go that far down the paddock to talk to them in recent years. They're right at the end of the paddock. Um, and sometimes you're like, Oh, we'll go down there for Steiner. But it sounds funny to say, but it if there's no reason to go to the end of the paddock, you don't go to the end of the paddock. And with Steiner not there, you know, the two drivers, you know, I, you know, I, I happen to like Kevin Magnussen quite a lot, but there's not, they're not really, him and Hulkenberg aren't really doing a lot to set the world alight. But Steiner, you always knew, had a quote in him. He would talk for longer than, you know, your your average media session. And you you could just kind of run stuff by him that maybe wasn't going to be a story. You could just, you know, get his opinion on stuff. Um, yeah, so that is missing. And I think the TV cameras will have felt that as well as they're trying to kind of, because those, you know, the coverage of, of of testing is basically eight or nine uninterrupted hours of of testing. If I was a producer, I'd love to have at least 10 minutes of Gunther Steiner filling some of that out. Um, and obviously I didn't have it. So yeah, from a, from outside house, I definitely felt it. But weirdly within, it just seemed as business as normal. And I think that that's just probably speaks to where that team is, like Lawrence was, was saying, you know, um, just, just now. I don't think they're in a position where you know, one person necessarily is going to make a huge difference. I think in the long run, it, it may do. But I think in the here and now, it's it's still too recent. It's still too raw. And there's a huge amount more for that team to worry about than just whose name's on the door, you know, of the, of the, of the boss's room. You mentioned TV cameras, Nate. And for those who are not at testing, like you two, you've got Thursday and Friday still ahead of you. Friday, the new season of Drive to Survive drops. And I know F1 fans... I don't want to make it a blanket statement because I don't know if some people still love it, but I think most people still love this show and they're going to want to see it. We've got the episode names and I'm going to run through them real quick. Okay. Money talks fall from grace under pressure. The last chapter, civil war leap of faith, say la vie, Forza Ferrari threes, a crowd red or black. I don't know about you guys, but now I'm trying to go back through all the drama that ensued last season, and I'm trying to pick and choose what money talks could relate to. Or civil war. Who do we think that that uh, that's, well, that's talking about? about? Red that's Bull. Captain America. That's Captain America, isn't it? Civil War. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you Marvel sorry. junkie. <laughs> I just thought my my first thought reading that list was I was like, man, they're really running out of spinoff titles for Star Wars. <laughs> new uh, series or from marvel are. series um, but I, thought that, 
I thought that as well. To be honest, Money Talks could just be a standalone series about Formula One as well. That could be what Drive to Survive is called. Um, I'm going to guess that it is either about Alpine and all of their investment. Um, you know, they had obviously the Kel uh, Kelsey, uh, Mahomes, McElroy, etc. Or Lance Stroll. And I'll just okay. leave it at that. I don't know if it is either of those things, but yeah, those are my guesses. Who's Civil War about? Alpine as well. Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of these could be Alpine. Like the last chapter could be Alpine. C'est la vie, French. Could be Alpine. Forza Ferrari. Forza Ferrari, <laughs> probably not Alpine. Yeah. Forza Ferrari, I think we're, we can um, hedge our bets, thankfully. Yeah. 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 But I mean, like this is this is my problem with this series is that like I'm a little bit tired of Drive to Survive anyway, I have to admit. Um, but then okay. uh, do I want to go back and relive the most dominant season yeah. that I can remember for a long time? I'm not sure I do, but the the I have to admit the the Alpine stuff should be quite interesting because that's what Drive Survive does really well. The mm. behind the scenes, you know, stuff, the kind of interviews that they get uh, from it. So I hope they've got some stuff there that that is good and and worth watching and adds to the story. Um, and also hope they don't overplay like certain things too much. Do we expect any cameos, from the two of you? I've not seen uh, this series yet. Sometimes people get some embargoed copies ahead of time. So I have kind of been asking, like, because one of my biggest fears is that you become immortalized as an F1 meme just by saying something stupid or having a silly reaction. I've managed to stay out of every season so far. I think I've been in the background of a few. Like, I, you notice yourself, like, oh, there I am. But it's real, like, blink and you miss it stuff. But you're never really sure when they're going to use your stuff because they're, they film so much across the year. And there's been interviews. I mean, I was interviewing uh, Zach Brown in Miami and the yeah. camera was right there. Like, look, and it, there's one looking at you as you ask the questions and they pan to Zach as he answered. Um, and actually, at the haunt, we were talking about the Horner being at the launch at Red Bull. When I was when I was sat listening to the presentation, which had Horner on, uh, the Netflix camera was basically like, it felt like it was right, right next to me. And you kind of realize you're like, I want to act like I don't know the camera's there, but I do know the camera's there. And I don't I don't want to pretend I don't because I do know, but I also don't want to act like it's there because then I'm acting. And suddenly you're in this classic mindset where all you're doing is overthinking what you're doing on the camera. So long answer to your, a very, very simple question that you asked me, Katie, is <laughs> I don't think there's any cameos, um, but I haven't seen every episode or heard from every episode yet. Um, just so yeah, just we'll, when you we'll thought Nate was actually focused on what Christian Horner was presenting in the moment, <laughs> that's what's playing out in his head. But that, but that's probably why you've not been in it, Nate. It's because you probably always got this really weird look and like shifty look where you're kind of looking down the camera. And we all know there's nothing worse in a documentary than someone looking directly down the camera lens because all of a sudden it breaks that kind of you know fourth wall, whatever, where you think that you're you know you're within it and actually oh no, someone's just looking directly at the camera. So um, that's one way to guarantee that you don't go. If you don't want it to be on Netflix, just continue looking down the camera every now and again. But um, yeah, I've had it before as well. I think it might just go to show how boring the interviews are that I do because I've had a number of interviews where, and it often happens halfway through, which is quite, I would don't mind so much if it's at the start, but halfway through, if you're doing a one-on-one -on -one interview and you have like this boom mic just starts floating over your head. Yeah, yeah. and then like, you have one camera, you're like, you know, there's a camera behind you and a camera on the other side. And you just start going, oh, right, okay, this is it's a bit different. So, um, yeah, I had that in Mexico, George Russell interview I did. Um, so if there's any Russell episodes, which judging by the titles, I don't think there's going to be, um, then maybe maybe I'll make a cameo there. But otherwise, it's just whether, yeah, a random question gets picked up. But I, don't, I just don't think I ask enough exciting to the point 
questions that are going to make or break a documentary. That's my problem. But fall from grace and under pressure. Under pressure, we think, is Nick DeVries, surely. Oh, in the... Yeah, the yeah, last although... chapter could be as well. That'd be a good duo, wouldn't it? Like I said, they often do, like, if it's a story of a driver losing their seat or whatever, like, it can, it can last over two episodes. So, yeah, maybe yeah. under pressure, followed by the last chapter. But then there's three's a crowd. Who would that be? Oh. Huh. That's a good question. That could well that could be that could be when Ricardo got injured and then Lawson's in. Because it's Lawson, oh, yeah. Sonoda, Ricardo. Oh, so yeah. maybe it's that. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. There you that go. That makes sense. You see, people listening don't need to watch it now. We've we've solved <laughs> we've solved the mystery. <laughs> I know it's super late in Bahrain. Get some sleep. Thank you as always for your great information and analysis. Enjoy testing on Thursday and Friday. We'll be back next week. Uh, to preview the first Grand Prix of the new season. And also, don't forget, next Saturday, not Sunday, next Saturday, after the Bahrain Grand Prix, we will be live on ESPN's YouTube, Facebook, and the app for our post-race show, live reaction and analysis from the Bahrain Grand Prix and more. Katie George, Nate Saunders, Lawrence Edmondson. Thank you, as always. Cheers. Cheers.